Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to our 945 service on this, the 12th Sunday after Pentecost. Welcome to those of you in the room. Welcome to many more we know who are joining us online. Welcome to you if you're visiting with us, you're relatively new here. Gosh, we were super honored that you would come. We're grateful. We hope that you'll leave us some kind of contact information. We'd like to interact with you, just get to know you, see if we can serve you in some way. Even if you're online, we hope that you will do that uh, as well. Uh, our uh, organist today, Lee, Lee is back, and Lee is back. We all complain about Charlotte drivers, and uh, one of them cost our organist, Evan Curry, a fractured wrist. Oh, yeah. That's a valuable wrist, too. You want to pray for him. <laughs> He'll be back in a few weeks. Uh, I know he misses being here. Um, so, my name's James Howell, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Dr. Yun Kim. Grateful to be together, friends. As always, uh, may you encounter the loving presence of our God, and as you do so, we want to connect with you as Dr. Howell just mentioned there are different ways to do that. There's the hospitality pass at the end of your pews. There's the QR code at the back of your bulletin. And for those of us joining us online, there's a link that you can click on. There's a little button that says first-time visitor, or you can check, I want the pastor to reach out to me. Let us know how we can connect with you and share the wonderful ministries of our church and how we can be a family of God together as we journey onward as a family. It is good that we are here, friends. Let us continue to prepare our hearts for worship.
Let us now be united as God's children in confessing our faith in the faith of the Christian church through the Apostles' Creed found in the back of our hymnal 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our God is always good and gracious to forgive as we bring forth our sins before God. So I invite you to turn to your bulletin for our prayer of confession. Let us confess together as a family of God. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts. We cannot release our past regrets, continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we are yet still sinners. That proves God's love toward all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is Matthew chapter 15, beginning with the 21st verse. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and cried, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, 
Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, Cameron, thank you for that uh, very uplifting, inspiring reading. Desperate mom comes to Jesus, and he calls her a dog. You know, you have the Da Vinci Code narrative that says, you know, they, they made up all the stuff later to make Jesus look better than he was. No, the Bible was more than happy to include this. What do we do with this? Uh, several things. Partly is to notice her persistence, which Jesus admires more than once in the Gospels. Uh, last Sunday, uh, I preached homecoming at a little church in the country that was my first pastorate out of seminary. And as I was driving up there, I tuned into our service, and I heard Nathan Arledge's very fine sermon on prayer. Footnote that I would want to put to it is in this story, the woman pleads with Jesus, and at first it just says Jesus was silent. I mean, I'm someone who, when I pray, sometimes in desperation, it's just silence. You've probably done the same thing. Like the gravity is too great. Your prayer doesn't seem to be going anywhere. But yet she is persistent. Jesus admires this. Monica was the mother of St. Augustine. And before he was St. Augustine, he was just Augustine and had uh, a troubled life. And she, Monica became the patron saint of uh, worried mothers. She prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for her son. The Bishop Ambrose saw her in church one day praying, weeping over her son he said it is not possible that the child of so many tears should perish. So she became the patron saint of worried mothers. I went to visit her uh, tomb at a church in Rome that tourists just don't go to. So I went in. I thought I was alone. But then as I got near her sarcophagus where her remains are, I heard a voice. And I noticed that there was a woman there praying, sobbing, praying. I don't know. And she just kept repeating the same two words over and over. Mio bambino. Mio bambino, mio bambino, my little boy. I couldn't guess what was wrong with her little boy, but I sat down in a chair a number of feet behind her. I don't think she ever saw me, and I just prayed with her for her mio bambino. You know, God asks us to persist in prayer, but not just for ourselves, but to think about the people in the world that are having to persist in prayer, who are hearing seemingly to them nothing but silence, who are concerned about their mio bambino. We join with them in prayer. Uh, Jesus seems to call the woman a dog. Does Jesus have a bad day? What do we make of Jesus having a bad day? To answer this, I turn to uh, that great new theological authority that uh, people are looking to, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, uh, one of his uh, wise sayings is this, I hope that either all of us or none of us are judged by the actions of our weakest moments, but rather by the strength we show when and if we're given a second chance. Is this Jesus' weak moment and we shouldn't judge him by it? And we get, we get confused about who Jesus is anyway. Jesus isn't a genie to answer all of our wishes. Jesus is not a protective bubble. Jesus, Jesus is God with us. God is with us in whatever it is that we face. And my question is, why shouldn't Jesus be God with us in our struggles and our figuring things out? I'm, I'm figuring things out. You're figuring things out. 
did Jesus figure things out? Luke 2 tells us that Jesus grew in wisdom. Why did it take him so long to realize that his mission wasn't just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles? What it says, it's not that Jesus one day said, let's just love everybody. That's kind of a modern solution. Let's just love everybody, not a bad idea. Instead, what it says is that Jesus saw her persistence. He saw her immense faith, and he's impressed by that, and so he blesses her. And I wonder what that might mean for us if we were to think about, I don't know what to call them, the debated people in our world. You know, there are people that get debated in our world, and maybe we aren't thinking about it right. I think of people like, you know, like immigrants, people debate immigrants. But I've had the privilege of knowing some immigrants who have an immense faith and an impressive persistence in prayer. Maybe that's what we need to know about them. We live in a world where people still debate, you know, like gay people, they're debated people. But have you seen the immense faith and persistent prayer of gays in your world? I'm, I have, sometimes around race, people still want to talk about race, but I think about the immense faith and intense, persistent prayerfulness I've seen. Maybe if we think about that, instead of politicizing it, we'd say, wow, we're with them, they're with us, we are one in Christ's body. Uh, Jesus says this thing, uh, why? It's, it's amazing, it's just so crass, right? Jesus says, it's not fair to give the children's bread to the dogs. And all week I puzzled over this. I thought, hey, what am I going to say about this? Maybe I'll just skip it in my sermon. Friday, though, I was on my bicycle, and I had a revelation. And here's my revelation from my bike ride on Friday. And it is this. Uh, I have many times, through my words or actions, said, it's not fair to give the children's bread to the dogs, and you have too. Uh, and and here, here's how it works. The question is, who gets the good stuff? Who gets the good stuff? Uh, the children's bread, we care first, understandably, for our own children. We care first, understandably, for ourselves. I eat in a fine restaurant. I drink a fine wine. I go to a great destination. I was sure that my children would go to only the best schools and have the best dentist, whatever. The children's bread, the children's bread. And after we do all of that, then if there's something left over, we say, well, let that go to a poor person, to a person in need. I'm talking about me before I'm talking about all of us. Uh, two examples of this. My kids uh, would if they were here to hear this sermon. They would remember what they call the sweet potato caper. Uh, in the church in Davidson, when we had a food drive, you had to bring your canned goods bodily into the sanctuary, and we'd have an altar call, and you'd come up and you'd put it on the altar. So I'd go, I'm the pastor. I've got to have some can a, a canned goods. So I'd actually gotten in the car and backed out of the driveway, and I thought, oh, no, it's the food drive. I've got to have a can. So I drove back in. I opened the pantry, and I looked, and I went, sweet potatoes? I hate sweet potatoes. This will be perfect. I'll save that stuff I like for me later. And I brought my sweet potatoes up to God's altar. Very proud. 
Another thing, this is amazing. You'll be impressed by this. I am impressed with myself by this. There's a church in my neighborhood called The Vine. It's a Methodist church right around the corner from where I live. They, uh, every other Thursday, collect sandwiches to take to roof above. So I started doing this, and they love it because I'm not even part of their church. I'm a pastor of this big church, and when I bring my bag of sandwiches, they're like, oh, Dr. Howell. <laughs> this just feeds my ego to no end. And then I caught myself, though. The other day, the last time I did it, I was in the Harris Teeter, and I'm getting ready to shop for what I need to make the sandwiches. And I look, and whoa, there is a cheap loaf of off-brand bread. I grabbed it. I go to the luncheon meet. It's like, wow, two for $5, off-brand luncheon meat and I grabbed it and I went home it's not fair to give the children's bread to someone else to the dogs but I'll take the cheap stuff and save the good stuff for myself we all do this and how shall I say it the poor and needy are accustomed to our crumbs they're accustomed to getting our crumbs but we can do better uh, the Haywood Street United Methodist Church in Asheville does better. They have a meal, and they host the homeless and the destitute off the streets of Asheville. When they come in, it's not like, and we, you know, here's a little paper bag with some cheap food that we put together. It might hold you for a while. Here, take this and go eat it somewhere. <laughs> Instead, they come in, and the food is prepared by the finest chefs in Asheville, and they sit at tables that have tablecloths and real fine china and candlesticks. And volunteers come and serve as waiters and waitresses. They're treated as people of dignity, which in fact is what they are. They are not dogs. They're not to get the crumbs under the table. Some amazing things happened. By the way, I went to preach this homecoming last Sunday, and uh, they had a covered dish dinner. I was looking forward to that way more than being in worship with them. Because I tell you what, uh, some of you guys, you may think you cook well, but man, the, the, these country women from my first church, they put us in the shade. They're so good. It's a feast, and they take great pride in bringing their best dish. And I got there, and as I approached the, the dessert table, I looked over at my longtime friend, Kay Barringer, and I said, did you? She said, oh, yeah. She'd made my chocolate eclair. I hadn't been her pastor for 40 years. And she remembered that I loved her world championship eclair. Who gets the good stuff? So I got her a clear, but then I remembered uh, when I went in the sanctuary, I was, I was greeting people beforehand, trying to remember names of people I hadn't seen in decades. And there was a young man who looked like he was maybe in his early 40s. I didn't know him at all. So I sat next to him and I said, hi, my name's James. And he told me his name. And I said, you're still in this church? So his story is this. When I came to the church, I was young. I was too stupid to know how to be shrewd with people. So they had a big covered dish dinner, and it was great. And when it was over, uh, they packaged up all the leftover food. It was a feast, and they put it in a box, and they brought it to me, and they said, Pastor, could you take this to a poor family? And I was too stupid to know to say, oh, yes, thank you so much. I would be honored to do so. Instead, I said, no. And they looked at me kind of funny. And I said, eh, that's, just not, that's just not cool to do that. What I will do, though, is I'll, I'll find a family. I know a guidance counselor at the school, and uh, you can invite that family to come join us for a meal here in our church and find some families that have children the same age. And so I found a woman with two little boys, one of whom I was talking to in church on Sunday, special needs kids.
And they came, we had a fabulous meal, and that family came back the next Sunday, and they came back the next Sunday, and they kept coming back every Sunday. The moms died, and the brother lives elsewhere, but this young man, he's still in that church every Sunday. Not just the crumbs. Uh, a couple more things, and I'll be done. One is, uh, some of you know this, uh, the, our denomination is going through this t a terrible thing. There are churches that are, the term they use is disaffiliating. They're leaving the United Methodist denomination. And it's over the issue of, you know, do, do we include gay people in the church or not? It's just so dumb. They're doing this. And, and I, got a, I saw a letter the other day. There's a pastor friend of mine whose uh, churches, they're about to vote on this. And so he issued a pastoral letter uh, to kind of say his piece and answer questions that he's been getting. He started by saying, you know, if you guys vote to leave, I'm not leaving, so I won't be your pastor any longer if you leave. I thought that was pretty strong. <laughs> but the best part of his letter, and I called him and congratulated him. He said, one of the questions that I get is, Who, whose property is it? Right? Does our building belong to us, or does the building belong to the denomination? His answer was brilliant. He said, neither. He said, the property belongs to God. <laughs> Does this church belong to us? No. Does this church belong to the denomination? No. This church belongs to God. You belong to God. Everything you have belongs to God. And that leads me to the revelation that I had on my bicycle on Saturday. I was riding my bike Saturday, and I thought, here's something to stick in the sermon. Then I thought, mm, I'm not going to do it. And the reason I decided not to do it is so many of you have been so kind to say, oh, James, we missed you while you were gone. We're so glad that you're back. And I thought, I, I could change your feelings about that in a nanosecond. <laughs> so I thought, I won't do it. But then I thought, I love you. And I always want to tell you what's on my heart, so, so here goes. Bear with me. I want to share this because I love you. While I was on sabbatical, my wife one day asked me, she said, you're not working here for three months. Does that make you want to retire? And I said, no, I love working. I'm eager to get back to work. I want to keep working for as many years as I can. I love it. So you know, what, what, what will you miss when you're not working anymore? And I said, God, I'll miss you guys. I'll miss the music. I'll miss working with my staff. I'll, wish I'll miss our mission projects. This, oh, I'll miss so many things. She said, what will you not miss? I had one answer. And it is this. Tomorrow morning I have a meeting with Sarah Beth Dozier, who is our executive director. And she's been on vacation since I got back from sabbatical. So I need to have a meeting with her. And what she'll be doing is she'll be updating me on the finances of our church. Don't flinch. It's got a happy ending. And I know what she'll tell me. I don't need to meet with her. It's what I've heard for all 43 years of my ministry at this time of year. And the story will be we're way behind and we got to cut stuff we're doing to make it to the end of the year. And, James, you're going to have to get up and you're going to have to beg and cajole. I'll kind of be saying, could you please give us a few more crumbs? I hate doing this, and I'm not going to miss that when I retire. And the reason I hate doing it is, is this. We're an amazing church. I've had people say we're the best church in all of Methodism, and I bask in that glory. We're a great church. We do amazing things. But I still believe, and I'm sure of this, we're only scratching the surface 
of what God's asking us to do. And you know, you know why that is? <laughs> when this woman comes to Jesus, what does she ask for? The first thing she asks for is mercy. And that's what church is about. We need mercy. I got to go do some banking tomorrow. I don't know. I might get some mercy from the banker, but I doubt it. Like, it's just not a, it's not a bank thing. Like, oh, we have mercy on our clients. <laughs> A lot of people I know don't get mercy at home, but church is the mercy place, and we're not, we don't have too much mercy here, and we're not sending too much mercy out of our walls, and there's a desperate need for more mercy out, but it's really pretty simple. There are people out there crying, mio bambino, people, they're cynical about church because they're not seeing the mercy. Back in the day before Holy Communion, uh, there's a prayer we used to pray. Some of you who are older might remember it. I'll close with this. The prayer was, we do not presume to come to this your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercy. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. That's the call to know God's mercy, to live into God's mercy, to be God's mercy for a world that is so desperate for it. Mercy. Thanks be to God. Let us continue in prayer. All-loving God, we seek you in the turbulence of these transition times. Whether it's the start of a new school year, maybe a move, or a new life transition, or simply the reality that fall is approaching, we look to you, Lord. May we seek you in these spaces as our comforter, our rock, and our teacher. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, be with all of those who are experiencing grief right now. Grief comes in so many forms. Maybe it is the grief of sending a child to college, or the grief of your body changing, grief of a loss of a loved one, or the many other ways that grief shows up in all of our lives. We know you see our grief and, our, and you understand our brokenness completely. Help us to rest in you and accept your love fully. We especially lift up the family of Paul Bowen as they grieve his death this week. Lord, in your mercy. God, help us to see your children as you see your children. Help us to love the complexity of humanity and to create safe places for people to be themselves, to be known and to be loved. Help your church to be that place in the world. Help us to extend that grace to others, but also to ourselves. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly God, be with us as we continue in worship. Let your spirit be felt in this place as we gather at your table. May your grace sustain us as we go forth from this place. Amen.
As we prepare for our offering, I want to say thank you for the ways in which you continued to give generously to our church uh, as you continued to honor this as God's place and that we can worship together today. Thank you.
we offer our gifts to support Christ's mission, bless these gifts and use our energy for good purposes so the world will know your loving kindness. In Christ's name we pray, amen. table as the United Methodist Church. All are welcome. All who need the mercy of God, and that would be absolutely all of us, we invite you to come. After we have the prayers of consecration, you can find them in your hymnal. If you don't know them, beginning on page 17, we'll sing the responses. The choir will lead us in doing so. We'll invite you to come forward. The ushers will guide you. There'll be two lines. Somebody will hand you a piece of bread, dip it gently under the cup, return to your seat by way of the outside aisle. Uh, if you would like to receive kneeling at the altar, someone will come and serve you there. We also have uh, gluten-free and COVID-friendly packets, if you would like one of those as well. So, uh, friends, let us join together now in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. is your Son, Jesus Christ. On the night in which our Lord gave himself up for us, he took bread, and after giving you thanks, he broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you, for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. <clears throat> of the children of God, let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Would you join with me now in the prayer after communion, which you can find printed in your bulletin? Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore.